Welcome to New Life with Adam Camp. This podcast is a ministry of Rosemont Baptist Church in LaGrange, Georgia. Please visit us on the web at rosemontchurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. kids and adults with with baptisms and what these kids are talking about on Wednesday nights and Sunday mornings and and, uh, man it's just so cool so cool to be a part of it so excited about what God is doing and and we just pray he continues to bless us and and do amazing things let's pray together this morning father we just thank you again for what you're doing in the hearts of our people here challenging us father and and moving us and and shaping us and uh, Lord in the hearts of our kids as they're becoming aware, Lord, of Christ and their need for a Savior, their need for salvation and the baptisms, Father, we get to experience together as a church. And Lord, we just praise your name. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And Father, as we have this opportunity now to, <clears throat> to gather and, and uh, Lord, just study your word, I pray you'd remind us of the importance of what we're doing, the significance, Lord, of, of opening your truth. And Father, I pray through this time together that you would just be glorified, you'd be honored. And Father, as we pray every Sunday morning, that as we hear your word, as we learn more about you, as we love you more, that we would be transformed, Father, more and more into the image of your son, Jesus Christ. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Take your Bibles and open to Revelation chapter 15. Revelation chapter 15. If you did not bring your Bible, you can look right in front of where you're sitting. There should be a book there. It's a hardbound black book. Take that book out. That's a Bible you can open to page 1036. Page 1036, that's Revelation chapter 15. We are continuing our study of our sermon series that we've entitled Defining Us, Connect, Grow, Serve. And we've shown you every week and we've challenged you every week with this idea of a vision statement that that we want to talk about and and think about and preach about and, and study. And we want this to really to become the DNA of who we are and how we think and, and how we act. And so I've showed it to you every week, and I'm going to read it again this morning to remind you of what we're doing. At Rosemont, we want you to connect to Jesus and his church, grow in faith and understanding of God's word, serve Jesus here and around the world. And so over the last four weeks, we've been focusing really on that first line, connect to Jesus and his church, and we've talked about salvation, and we've talked about church membership and, and baptism and the Lord's Supper. And this morning is going to be about corporate worship. And one of the things that I love about worship is we think about connecting to Jesus and his church. The, the first place, and this is not always the case, but the first place that most people connect at a church at Rosemont is in a time of worship. If you invite somebody to come, typically they'll come to the worship service first. If they're just kind of new to the town and want to try a church out, it's an opportunity for them to kind of uh, blend in a little bit and learn a little bit about the church. And so for us, What we do on a Sunday morning uh, is 
when we connect each other and, and we're worshiping together, it's also an opportunity for us to connect with people that have come in, new people, as they try to learn more about us. And so we've got this incredible opportunity. You probably heard Stacy talk about it on the announcement video. The LaGrange College women's basketball team will be here at 11 o'clock, which I'm very excited about. Uh, one of the basketball players, Sarah Evans, who's been with us for a number of years, she's a senior, and she came to me several weeks ago, <clears throat> and she said, listen, I'm just realizing I'm kind of coming to the grips with the fact that I'm a senior now in college, and I know these girls, and I've got a leadership position on this team. And she said, my heart just really breaks for these girls and from where, where, where they are in Christ. And, and she said, I'd love to, to bring them. She said, would it be okay if I brought them to a worship service? Absolutely is always the answer to that, by the way. Of course, we would love to have them. In fact, if you'll bring them, we'll feed them lunch. And so we've got this opportunity to meet these girls uh, to connect with them. And so I just want to encourage you as you leave here, if you have, they're probably all coming together. If you see them coming in together, just greet them. Just welcome them. Shake their hand. Tell them we're so happy. That, let's just connect with them this morning. Let's not, let them know that we love them. Because I promise you, I promise you, not all those girls know Christ. Like, I don't know their stories. I don't know any particular uh, situation going on. I'm just telling you, with, with, with a, a group of girls uh, coming in that we've never met, that are not in church, there's some of them in that group that don't know Christ. This is their first opportunity to connect with Jesus. You know that, right? And so you're going to be the face of Christ when you see these girls. You get this incredible chance to connect with them. So I'd love for you all just to kind of hang out and welcome them and, and let them know we love them, shake their hand, hug their neck, whatever you want to do uh, this morning as they come in to worship. As they come in to hear about Christ and as they come in to kind of, we hope, hear the truth of the gospel. And, and, and we pray that the Lord would soften their hearts and they would see their need for a Savior this morning. This morning is about worship. This morning is about corporate worship. We've talked a lot over the last several weeks about connection and what that looks like in the church. And we wanted to talk this morning about worship and how we connect together and, and corporate worship together. And one of the best places I believe we can do that is in the book of Revelation. Now, Revelation is a, a very interesting book. Uh, in fact, I have people on a pretty regular basis ask me, when are you going to preach through the book of Revelation? I have no plans to do that right now because it's a difficult book. We've got a class on Wednesday night that Russell Cleveland's doing about uh, Revelation. He's doing a great job, by the way. There are a lot of great Deep Roots classes on Wednesday night we'd love for you to plug into. But if you're interested in the book of Revelation, then there's a class you can take to kind of learn more about that. But Revelation is, is a lot. There's a lot there. And we see a lot of things as we read through the book of Revelation, but kind of two main ideas I want you to understand this morning and kind of think about is we read through the book of Revelation and, and study it is this idea of the glory of God and the judgment and the power of God. We see that a lot, right? And so we're going to see that this morning. We're going to kind of get this glimpse. The Lord has given the Apostle John this glimpse into heaven and he's kind of showed him what's going to come and what's going to look like in the end. And so as we read this passage of scripture together this morning, I want you to kind of see the glory and the power, and the majesty of the Lord. And then we're going to think about together why that leads us to this place of worship. So Revelation chapter 15, beginning in verse 1. Then I saw another sign in heaven, right? And this is the 15th chapter, so the Lord has shown John a lot of things up to this point. He sees another sign in heaven, great and amazing. Seven angels with seven plagues, which are the last. For with them the wrath of God is finished. And I saw what appeared to be a sea of glass mingled with fire and also those who had conquered the beast and its image and the number of its name standing beside the sea of glass with harps of God in their hands and they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God and the song of the Lamb saying, Great 
and amazing are your deeds, O Lord God Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of the nations. Who will not fear, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship you, for your righteous acts have been revealed. Now, I want to stop this morning, and I want to think about this idea of worship and corporate worship. But before we do, I want to give you kind of the heart of what worship ought to be. I loved what these kids said, by the way. Fantastic. He had probably 15 or 20 of those little videos. Those were three that you could understand and were kind of clear. Those kids are precious. Given their idea of what worship is, and, and, and by the way, you need to know this, parents, they learn that from you. They're watching you, understanding what worship is. And so the way you conduct yourself and, and the way you worship matters. But here's what I want you to understand about worship, right? And this is a kind of a misnomer that I want to straighten out and make sure you're kind of in the right place this morning. Worship should not be, now watch, this is important. Worship should not be an obligation that you just have to do because it's Sunday morning. Worship shouldn't instead be where you have recognized the glory of God and love Him so deeply you can't help but worship Him. There is a difference. Now, if you're here this morning and you say, you know, I, I, I get that, right? I, I get that, but, but oftentimes I'm here this morning because it's just something I'm supposed to do and, and I know that it's, that it's, it's Sunday morning and, and I'm expected to be here, but I don't always kind of do it because I want to or because I love the Lord. Then I pray this morning as you see this scripture, he changes your heart and he shapes you and he allows you to, just to get a little bitty glimpse of his glory and his power. Because we, we should worship because we desire to worship, not because we have to worship. Here's the difference. Me and you are going to understand this. Imagine I bring my beautiful wife flowers one afternoon. And I do that. I try to do that occasionally. More so than, uh, I should do it more often than I do. But I should bring her flowers on a pretty regular basis. Guys, that's something we ought to be doing. But imagine I bring her flowers one day, one afternoon, and I, I hand her the bouquet of flowers, and she says, wow, these are beautiful. Why did you do this? And I say, well, I, I put in my calendar that once a quarter I'm supposed to bring you flowers. And so an announcement popped up this morning to remind me. So on the way home, I went and grabbed you some flowers. You know, okay. Maybe an A for effort, but not exactly what we're looking for. Versus if I said, listen, I hadn't been able to work all day because I've been thinking about you. You're so beautiful, I couldn't get you off of mine. And I say to her, honey, are you tired? Because you've been running through my mind all day. <laughs> and I, I couldn't help myself. I, I love you so much that I wanted to give you these flowers. Now, there's a difference, right? My evening just got a lot better if I answered the second way instead of the first. Y'all can use that line, by the way, man, if you want to. I give you credit for that. I give you permission. There's a difference between having to and wanting to, right? The Lord wants us to come to church because we love Him <laughs> and we desire to be with Him and we see His glory and we want to worship Him. Revelation gives us a picture of that. Revelation is this beautiful reminder of who Jesus is and why He is worthy of our worship. So I'm going to give you some truth this morning that I want you to see and understand. And I pray it chips away a little bit at the person that says, I'm here because I have to be. I pray it chips away just a little bit to help you understand he is glorious and he is magnificent and he is worthy of my worship. And so the first thing I want you to see, I'm going to give you a truth this morning that I want to kind of work back through it together. The first truth I want you to see this morning, number one, we worship because the Lord is just and victorious. That's what scripture teaches us. We worship because the Lord is just and 
and victorious. Now, I want you to notice what Revelation 15 says. I could speak for a long time about this, but I want to just touch on it because I don't have time this morning to go into great detail. But I want you to notice Revelation 15 This is fascinating, right? John says he looks and he saw another sign. Now, notice how he explains what he's about to see, right? I looked and I saw another sign, great and amazing, right? This is what I'm about to describe to you, John says, is great and amazing. Seven angels with seven plagues, which are the last, for with them the wrath of God is finished. John says, listen, I looked and I saw these plagues and the wrath of God, and I saw that it was great And amazing, right? We, 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 we want to talk a lot about the love of God and the glory of God, and those are right, but God is also just. And we need to understand that. And, and, and if you know me, you know the way I preach, and I like to teach and work through, and so I'm not really a fire and brimstone kind of guy. I'm not going to yell at you, but you, you need to understand if you haven't accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, there is judgment for you, there's no hope for you outside of Christ. John looks at this and he says, listen, this is, this is the wrath of God going to be poured out against the ungodly and against the unrighteousness of the world and all their sins and all the people that try to suppress the truth. The wrath of God will be poured out on those people. But John notices something else. He notices this group of people standing there together. So I'm going to read these two verses again to you, verses 2 and 3. I want you to see if an image kind of develops in your mind. And we're going to tie this to another part of Scripture here in just a second. Revelation chapter 15, verse 2, right? And I saw, so there's another image. What appeared to be a sea of glass mingled with fire. And by the way, can you just imagine what heaven must be like? The glory of the Lord. I saw what appeared to be a sea of glass mingled with fire and also those who had conquered the beast and its image and the number of its name standing beside the sea of glass with harps of God in their hands and they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God. Now let's just listen and kind of think back through this together. This is, he sees a group of people, a large group of people that are victorious that are standing beside a sea, praising the Lord, singing the song of Moses. Now, what does that remind you of? Sounds like the children of Israel crossing the sea, doesn't it? Well, one of the things I love about Scripture is how it just ties together. If you think the Bible is just 66 independent books that are unrelated to the others, you've, you're mistaken. You've missed the beauty of Scripture, the, the, the meta-narrative, the big picture of the Bible that is woven from Genesis 1 all the way through the end of the book of Revelation. And oftentimes these things tie together and it reminds us of the greatness of God and of His glory and of His majesty and of His power. And so these people are remembering when the people of Israel were freed from Egypt and they came to the Red Sea and the Bible says God parted the sea for them. Exodus chapter 14, verse 21, the Bible says, Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord drove the sea back, a great wind from the east all night, and made the sea dry, and the waters were divided, and the people of Israel went into the midst of the sea on dry ground, the waters being a wall to them on their right hand and on their left hand. See, the, the Lord used this opportunity in Egypt to display his glory to display his power, to demonstrate to these people that he was victorious. You understand that? We see a God here who's just. We see a God here when these people sing the song of Moses. And by the way, you can read Exodus 15. It goes in, it talks about the song of Moses. 
and it praises the Lord. It talks about how he triumphed gloriously and talks about his strength and his salvation and how they praise him. And we get this picture of the power and the victory of the Lord. And here's what we need to understand, right, as we kind of fast forward 2,000 years. This is important for us. We should come to this place of worship because we see that God is just and God is victorious. And so that means for you, if you've received Christ as your Lord and Savior, that means that the wrath that was due to you because of your sin has been covered with Christ. And it means, because he's victorious, that as you walk through this life and the struggles that you face and all the difficulties that you go through, the Lord walks along beside you and gives you victory and has overcome the things of the world. We see that all through Scripture. 1 John chapter 5. It says, for everyone who's been born of God, that's a believer, by the way, that's you and me, overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. John chapter 16, verse 33, Jesus said, I've said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart. Here's the word to the believer. I have overcome the world. Like when you come to this place in your life where you recognize that no matter what you've walked through, that no matter what struggles you're in, that no matter how much the, the world has kind of beat you down and the, the, the situations of life you found yourself in, no matter how difficult those things are, when you come to this place of realizing that because of Christ you can have victory in those moments, that should lead you to a place of worship. Lord, I praise your name that you allowed me to get through this situation. I praise your name, Lord, that you're at work in the hearts of the people around me. You're at work in my heart. I, I praise your name that even in the midst of this struggle, Father, I can feel your peace or I can see your glory or I see that you're working in my heart and you're molding me and shaping me and changing me. Praise your name, Father, that even in the struggles of life, you have victory. Right? That should lead us to this place of worship. And, and so when we show up on Sunday mornings, we should be mindful of his victory. We should be mindful of his salvation. But I want you to notice what else happens in verse 3 here. The Bible says they, they sing the song of Moses, right? They're remembering the victory of the Lord. They're remembering his power. They're remembering his glory and all that he's done. The servant of God and the song of the Lamb. Saying, great and amazing are your deeds, O Lord God Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of the nations. Here's another reason we worship number two. We worship because the Lord is great and glorious. Right? He's just and he's victorious. We've seen that in the scripture already. But we also worship him because he's great and he's glorious. Now, there's two songs here. Song of Moses, the song of the Lamb, right? We've talked about what the song of Moses is. But the song of the Lamb may be confusing because if you don't understand what this means or where this is coming from, you can be confused. You hear that these people are singing a song of the Lamb. And you may think, was there a lamb there? Was there a goat there? Was some little animal? Were they singing a song about this animal? This isn't a lamb when we think about an actual animal. This instead is the lamb of God. This is Jesus Christ. The Bible teaches us that he came and he sacrificed. He gave up his life for the sake of our sins. And so through his death, through that perfect sacrificial lamb, we can be saved. And so these people are singing about this, and they're, they're thinking about this, and they talk about the song of the Lamb. And I want you to listen to how they describe what the Lord has done. 
I want you to listen to the phrases they use here in verse 3 and 4. They sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, the song of the Lamb, saying, now listen to how they describe the Lord, great and amazing are your deeds, O Lord God Almighty. By the way, you're thinking, listen, as as I understand this, as I learn this, this should lead me to this place of worship. Great and amazing are your deeds, O Lord God Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of the nations. Who will fear not, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship you, for your righteous acts have been revealed. Isn't that a beautiful picture? Great and amazing, almighty, just and true, holy, righteous. We ought to see who Christ is. We ought ought to see his glory. We ought to see his greatness. That should lead us to this place of worship. Now, I believe, and, and I think I can... I think I can prove this scripturally as well, but I believe we all were created to worship. I think we all had this innate desire in our hearts to worship. You've, you've heard the old saying, there's a, there's a God-shaped hole in everyone's heart. Like we try to fill it with a lot of different things. We, we try to find happiness and, and joy and peace, oftentimes in the things of the world. And we can't quite figure out why we never quite feel happy. We can't quite feel hope or joy aside from the things of the Lord. Because God has created us with this God-shaped hole. And it's only the Lord that can fill those deep longings of the heart. It's only the Lord that can actually bring real peace and real hope and real joy. And I think God created us to understand that. I think God created us to sense his presence, to understand who he is, to see his greatness, and to worship him. I had the opportunity many, many years ago to go to Alaska on a mission trip. We have a partnership in Alaska, and many of you have been to Alaska. And you've seen that this, the, the breathtaking beauty of Alaska, but you probably ought to understand, uh, as beautiful as Alaska is, it's a very dark place spiritually. And there's a lot of reasons for that. I'm happy to talk to you about that and, and kind of share. And some of those that have gone to Alaska probably know and understand. So there's, a, there's a great darkness in Alaska. And so we send teams up there and we work with a missionary every year and we try to reach these people and we go into these uh, communities oftentimes that are impoverished and we do certain types of ministry in parks and we reach out to these people and, and share the gospel. And so I had the opportunity several, several years ago, many years ago in fact, to go to Alaska and spend some time working with that family and that missionary there. And when we were finished, we had the opportunity to, to sightsee just a little bit as we were kind of finishing up the ministry. And we drove just south of Anchorage to the Kenai Peninsula. Anybody ever been to Kenai Peninsula, by the way? Just curious. Anybody? A couple people? Yep. Kenai Peninsula is amazing because there's, there's a lake. It's called the Kenai Lake. It's about 22 miles long, surrounded by these majestic peaks of mountains. And, and the, the reason I just fell in love with it was the color of the water. I have a picture, actually, uh, that you can see. It, this picture doesn't do it any justice, by the way. They never do. Like You can't really explain the beauty of a natural setting to anybody. You can't really see it here, but the, the water is this... Really bluish, greenish, grayish color, and it's because of the the the, uh, the glaciers have melted and mixed in with the rainwater and with the lake water, and it creates this. Uh, I don't even know how to describe it. The effect of this lake is just incredible. It's beautiful. It's breathtaking. And so we had the opportunity to stop there and and. Um, just spend maybe 30 minutes one afternoon just kind of on the shore as we were passing through. And I just thought to myself, I'd, I'd like to come back one day. We, we got to wade in the water. We took our shoes off and just waded into the water for a minute. And I thought, I'd like to come back one day and, and, and camp around this lake and hike around this lake and, and summit some of those peaks. Why? Because I was just struck by the majesty of this place. Like, and even now as I think about it, the, the beauty of that place was breathtaking. Right, and all of us have experienced something like this. Maybe you've never seen this. 
you've never been to this lake. But if I said right now, listen, ex- explain to me or describe to me a place of beauty or a place that kind of takes your breath away or a place you've been in awe of, we can all kind of tell those stories, right? We understand that when we see something magnificent and beautiful and grand and greater and bigger than we are, we come to this place of awe and wonder and we worship, don't we? God created us to do this. And when I see places like this, I think, as incredible as this is, how beautiful must heaven be? How glorious must Christ be? You know, I say this at funerals a lot, and and I don't say it uh, flippantly. I mean it from the bottom of my heart. But the Christians that go on before us, that pass away and, and are welcomed into heaven by the Lord, those people that are in heaven, they would not come back if given the choice. You understand that? Like they've experienced for the first time fully and completely the glory of the Lord. They've seen his beauty and they've seen his holiness and they've seen his power and they've seen his majesty. We were created to worship that. We were created to see who he is and to see all of his creation and to see his wonder. And here's the thing I love about worship. The thing I love about worship is as a a group of Christians, we get this incredible opportunity to come together every Sunday morning for an hour. And we get to sing and we get to study and we get to pray in unity together, worshiping the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We get to see his majesty and his glory and his beauty. One, One writer explained it like this. He said, worship serves the indispensable function of uniting us with all the saints, living and dead. In fact, one of the most important things that worship accomplishes is to remind us that we worship not merely as a congregation or a church, but as part of the church, the people of God. John reminds his readers that their worship is a participation in the unceasing celestial praise of God. Now, now some of y'all are saying this, listen, I get it, I get it, okay? So, so there, there's this idea of the, the glory and the majesty and the beauty of Christ, and I should worship because I see those things and experience those. But Adam, I'm just not quite there yet. I'm struggling. I'm here because I'm supposed to be, not really because I want to be, but I really am desiring to move more in that direction. What can you do to help me, Adam? What, what are some things I can do to move from this idea of, of duty that I have to to this idea that I want to, right? So I'm going to give you five things. These are very practical. They're based on biblical truth. I'm going to go through them quickly because I'm running low on time. Five things that will help you worship better, right? These are just practical things you ought to be thinking about in your life. You ought to be doing these things on a regular basis to help you. Here's the first one. You should make worship a priority, period. I get we live in a world of a thousand different things. I understand that. I, I totally get it. But man, man, a time of corporate worship, that ought to be a priority for you. You should just say, you know what, I'm just going to commit to doing this. Because I believe as I do this, I'll grow in my walk. I'll be challenged in my faith. I'll find joy and hope among other believers. I want to knit my heart together and my soul together with other Christians as I sing and study. So I'm just going to commit to do this. I'm just going to make a decision. I know I'm busy. I know I could be working. I know there's other things and other activities. I get that. I'm just going to commit to do this because I believe when I commit, the Lord's going to honor that. He's going to allow me when I come to hear his voice and to be challenged in my faith. And through that process, I believe I'm going to grow. So commit to worship. Second, you should prepare your hearts to worship. Right? It's, it's a little different for me now because Amy brings the kids. I come really early on Sunday mornings, and so they come separate from me. 
But I remember the days when we used to squeal in here on two wheels, arguing about Bibles and where people's shoes are and why your hair wasn't combed. I remember those days, okay? I get it. Sometimes, sometimes Sunday morning is the most difficult time of the week. I get that. But as best you can, as much as you possibly can, you should prepare your hearts to worship. You shouldn't just show up never having prepared anything. Imagine how ridiculous it would be if I came in here next week and I went, you know, I didn't really prepare for anything. I'm just going to open my Bible and hope the Lord gives me something. Verse 3, okay, let's go. That would be ridiculous, wouldn't it? You should be angry with me if I ever do that, by the way. I should never do that. Like, I should prepare. I should pray and study all week for this moment, as should you. They're different. We're doing different things, but we're worshiping together. Are you preparing your hearts? Like, what are you doing to walk in here prepared to hear from the Lord? What are you doing to prepare your heart so that he can speak to you during a time of worship? Here's the third thing. Recognize the glory of God all around you. Man, just, just kind of take your eyes off the grindstone for a little while, off the treadmill of life that we're all running on as fast as we can, and see the beauty and the glory of the Lord. Maybe you see it in a sunset. Maybe you see it in, in one of your children. Maybe you see it in a conversation at work. Maybe you see it driving down the road and the Lord just imparts wisdom to you. Whatever it looks like. Just open your eyes to the truth of who he is and recognize the glory of God all around you. Here's the fourth thing. Worship at times other than Sunday. Right? You don't have like a worship switch built into your body that Sunday at 9.45, you, whoop, you flip it on. Sunday around 11, you flip it off. And then you wait till next Sunday, you flip it back on. You, you should always be worshiping the Lord. Like as you recognize the glory of the Lord all around you, that should lead you to a place of worship. That should lead you to a place of praise. Father, thank you for who you are. And then fifth, you should challenge yourself to grow in your faith. If you want to sense the power and the glory of the Lord more, spend more time in his word. If you want to sense his love and his, his, his mercy in your life, spend more time in prayer. Surround yourself with other believers. Spend time growing and challenging in your faith. So you can hear from him, so you can know him, so you can memorize, so you can study, you can pray. That'll help you as you worship. Now I need to finish up. We're, we're low on time. Look at verse 3 and 4 one more time. I need to finish this thing up. So we see the justice of God. We see that he's victorious. That leads us to worship. We see his greatness. We see his glory, the lamb that is slain for the sins of the world. That should lead us to worship, right? We're just building this case of his glory and his power and his beauty leading us to worship. Then finally, verse 3. So they're singing to Moses and the Lamb, saying, Great and amazing are your deeds, O Lord God Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of the nations. Who will not fear, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship you, for your righteous acts have been revealed. Here's a third truth. We worship because the Lord is the King of all the nations. The Lord is the King of all the nations. You know, I did a sermon series about a year or two ago. We called it Tension where I covered some pretty uh, uh, hot-button topics in our society today. And you can go back and listen to those. They're all on podcasts. One of them was racism. We talked about the sin of racism and how it separates and divides people. But I made a comment that a lot of people came back to me and, and commented on. So I want to say it to you again. As we think about worshiping the Lord and he's the king of all the nations, you need to understand something. When you get to heaven, it's not going to just be filled with white people from Troop County. We hope there are a lot of white people from truth. We hope that's the case. But we also hope there's a lot of everybody else, praise the Lord, because he created us differently. 
He doesn't just say, listen, I'm the God of this particular group or this particular race or this particular language. Instead, what we see scripturally when we study through, especially in the book of Revelation, is the Bible says, listen, there's a time when every nation and all tribes and all people will worship him. Stand before him singing praises. Why? Because he's the king of the nations. He loves us all. He loves us so it doesn't matter what background you're from. It doesn't matter your language, the color of your skin, what country you're from. None of that matters to the Lord. We're all sinful, right? And Christ died on the cross for all of our sins. He's the God of the nations. So I, w- I want to finish with something this morning. I want you to just take your Bibles and, and close them up. Close up your notes. Stacy. y'all can come on up if you would, your team. Just close up your notes because I just want to kind of ask you a couple of questions this morning, just in the quietness of your heart. As you, as you close everything up, just settle back in and then just bow your heads because this is going to lead us just right into a time of prayer. And I want you to think about two things just for a few moments. Just close your eyes, bow your heads, close your eyes just for a minute. Think about two things. Many of you have traveled on mission trips with us. If you haven't been overseas, you've done stuff here in LaGrange through our Mission LaGrange efforts. Maybe you've done stuff at the laundromat or Calumet or Pine Mountain or you've gone and prayed for a neighbor or you've witnessed in town to somebody or whatever. Whether it's across the street or around the world, you've done something for Christ. So I want you to do two things. Here's the first thing. I want you to ask the Lord right now just to place on your heart one person. One person you've met. Maybe it's overseas. Maybe it's here in LaGrange. Maybe it's even somebody you work with. One person that you know is not a believer. Not a follower of Christ. And right now, just in the quietness of your heart, I want you to pray for that person. Right now. If you know their name, call their name. If not, you can just tell the Lord who they are. He knows. Just pray for their salvation. Pray for their hearts. Right now, pray that. prayed to receive Christ as their Lord and Savior. I want you to thank the Lord right now that he's the God of the nations and that you will one day worship with that person in heaven. Right now, pray that. Praise the Lord for that. Father, you're the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You're the God of the nations. You are just and righteous and holy and victorious and great King of kings and the Lord of lords. And Father, I pray that you would just remove our heart of stone, as the scripture tells us, and replace it with a heart of flesh. Father, may we desire to worship you more. May we desire to love you more. We would give our hearts to you in worship right now, Father, as we praise your name for all that you've done and all that you're going to do. We thank you for your glory, Lord. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. You can stand. The altar is open. This is an opportunity now for you to respond. If you want to speak to me, if you want to pray, however the Lord leads you, you respond as we sing together this morning.
Thank you for joining today's sermon. We would love to hear how today's message blessed you. Use the Contact Us link on our website at rosemontchurch.org. God bless.